We thank you for tuning in to the Lawrence Avenue Church of Christ Worship Resource Podcast for Sunday, December the 6th. We pray that you are in good health and ready to worship today. Here are today's updated announcements. A memorial service will be held for Sister Carol Merritt's brother, Bobby Chapman. It will take place on tomorrow, December the 7th, at Terrell Brody Funeral Home, starting with a family visitation at 12.30 p.m. and the service to follow at 1 o'clock p.m. Please continue to pray for Sister Carol and her family. Sister Angela Carruthers' sister-in-law, Judy Caldwell, lost her mother, Henrietta Peacock, to COVID-19. She was funeralized this past Thursday. Please keep the Caldwell and Carruthers family in your prayers. Sister Rachel Belafont wants to thank the church for their prayers for her family. She also says that she will be going in the hospital for a sleep study and on December the 7th for back injections. Please keep Sister Rachel in your prayers as well. Please continue to pray for all of our sick, our shut-in, our bereaved, elderly, and traveling members, and their families. Phone calls, cards, and even text messages are always encouraged and appreciated. Brother Kance will continue his study from the book of Genesis today, and the lesson text will come from Genesis chapter 21, verses 1 through 21. The lesson is titled, The Promise Realized. We encourage you to tune in and study along with Brother Kens anytime on the Lord's Day. You can contact Brother Kens with any questions or comments via his email address at bill.kens at gmail.com. This Wednesday evening at 7.15 p.m., I want to cordially invite you to participate in our midweek Bible study. This week, we will continue our study titled, Lord, I Need an Attitude Adjustment focusing on a series of lessons from the first four chapters of the book of Malachi. Lesson four is titled, When Spiritual Leaders Are Guilty of Scandal, taken from Malachi chapter 2, verses 1 through 9. Please make plans to join us this Wednesday evening and every Wednesday evening at 7.15 p.m. And lastly, for Brother Corey, Be careful what you say on a podcast that is broadcast a week later. It may come back to bite you. There is power in prayer, and the Titans did soundly beat the Colts last Sunday. This concludes our updated announcements. We will now begin today's worship service. A hearty good morning to each and every one of you. We welcome all here to our morning worship service here at the Church of Christ that meets here at 904 Lawrence Avenue. It is good to see those that are here with us this morning. Good to see everyone's faces. Uh, We appreciate each and every one of you being here. So also uh, we're hoping that many that are not here are also listening to our podcast this morning and appreciate them, those who are tuning in to the podcast for listening to service also. We hope that everyone had a a blessed and and safe Thanksgiving uh, this past Thursday. Uh, I think this has allowed us to stay home a little bit more and relaxed, which is not a bad thing uh, at all for us to stay close uh, to home. So let's continue to uh, pray for others, even though many of us uh, may not be struggling through 
the epidemic during the uh, pandemic, but there are thousands of folks that are still struggling and suffering, uh, people in line for food. So please let's extend ourselves and do what we can for those who are in need and definitely send a prayer out uh, for all that are suffering and battling through this pandemic. Hope that we're all, again, continuing to stay safe. Uh, again, uh, numbers are increasing, so let's continue to stay safe. Several have asked about services. At this time, we are continuing our services. Uh, thanks be to God that we're able to do so. So at this time, we are continuing our services. But again, asking everyone to continue to practice safe practices during such a troubling time. Other announcements? Uh, always, church, if anyone has a prayer request or uh, need to make a confession or uh, have something to share with the congregation or just simply wanting to learn more about the Lord, please contact someone in leadership and we will be happy to answer your question and be happy to converse with you uh, for that matter. We appreciate those that are listening to the podcast who are continuing to send in your offering. You can continue to do so and make that out to Lawrence Avenue Church of Christ, P.O. Box 41648, Nashville, Tennessee 37204. We do hope also that everyone is continuing to listen to our weekly Bible class. Uh, Brother William Kantz teaches on the Lord's Day uh, on the podcast, which you can listen to at any time. Brother William Carruthers teaches on Wednesday evening Bible class at 7.15 p.m. on the conference call. And Brother Kantz filled in this past uh, Wednesday for Brother Carruthers. We appreciate very much those two brethren who are continuing to share God's word with all of us and hope that we are all, again, taking advantage uh, of, of studying together. At this time, our sympathy goes out to Sister Carol Merritt and family on the passing of Sister Carol's brother, Bobby Chapman, who passed away last week. Arrangements are not known at this time. Uh, we know that this was a sudden death and truly a, a hard impact, so we want to extend ourselves to Sister Carol and family, definitely keep her and family in our prayers. And Sister Carol, again, you have our sympathy and our condolences. Amen. We also learned uh, the many are having death in their families uh, uh, through in this uh, pandemic. And I'm looking at her, and I can't, I can't even think of her name. I'm having a senior moment. Huh? That's green, Sister Green. <clears throat> Got a birthday coming up. Sister Green uh, lost her cousin uh, uh, recently uh, during the pandemic and uh, with COVID-19. And a lot of our families have been uh, touched uh, uh, by the loss of a loved one. And you're in our sympathies also, Sister Green, and others also. Folks, we just need to continue to keep one another in prayer. Good to see you, Brother Rose, who would come as Rose, who was coming in this morning. Good to have you here, Brother Rose. Good to see you, and glad that everything is well. 
If anyone is in need of communion emblems, please see Brother uh, Ernest Davis, or contact Brother Ernest Davis uh, in advance. Uh, it would be nice to do this uh, beginning of the month each time so we don't have to make so many trips. But if you're in need of communion emblems for the month, please contact Brother Ernest Davis. I have a message from Sister Elizabeth Jones, and she's sending her, her, her hello to everyone and that she misses everyone truly. Our prayer request also for Sister Rachel Belafonte and family. Uh, she's asking for us to pray for her aunt who's having surgery and also for her children also uh, for their well-being. I believe my Brother Nathan is not feeling well today, so let's continue to pray for Sister Belafonte and for her family and for her children. Order of service. Singing this morning will be by Brother, uh, a duo here, Brother Trenton Moore and also Brother Micah Jackson. I think Micah is starting us off and for a few songs and then Brother Trenton Moore will come behind him with our singing this morning. Scripture reading, Brother Taylor Moore, and good to have him here with us today. He's having a break from school, uh, so good to see Brother Taylor always with us this morning. Brother Taylor Moore, our scripture reading and prayer, our sermon this morning on the fifth Sunday of the month, Brother Corey Spivey will speak to us this morning. Prayer for offering and communion, Brother Taylor, Brother Tyrone Moore, and our closing prayer, Brother Danny Gift. And we want to remind everyone right before communion, if you would, uh, make sure that you open up your communion package. I think that Brother Moore will give you time to, to do that. Notice last week you could hear a lot of rattling and things doing prayer. So let's make sure that we open our communion emblems during that designated time uh, for as we start our communion. And a reminder again, please put your empty communion cups in the trash can as you exit out of the door. And also each Lord's Day, folks, we do take up our offering at the end of service. We have our prayer midway, but we take up our offering at the end of service, so please uh, put your offering in one of the trays as the attendant. Give it to one of the attendants in the back door for our offering. We thank you for being here and sharing in God's word on this day. Let's continue to keep those that are sick in our prayer now as we begin our morning service. Good morning, church. For our opening song, let us know it's page 220. That is page 220. He lives. All found? Let us sing. I serve a risen Savior. He's in the world today. I know that he is living, whatever men may say. I see his hand of mercy, I hear his voice of cheer. And just the time I need him, he's always near. He lives, he lives, Christ Jesus lives today. He walks with me and talks with me along life's narrow way. He lives, he lives, salvation to impart. You ask me how I know he lives. He lives within my 
me, I see his loving care. And though my heart grows weary, I never will despair. I know that he is leading through all the stormy blasts. The day of his appearing will come at last. He lives, he lives, Christ Jesus lives today. He walks with me and talks with me along life's narrow way. He lives, he lives, salvation to impart. You ask me how I know he lives. He lives within my heart. Rejoice, rejoice, O Christian, lift up your voice and sing. Eternal hallelujahs to Jesus Christ the King. The hope of all who seek him, the help of all who find. None other is so loving, so good and kind. He lives, he lives, Christ Jesus lives today. He walks with me and talks with me along life's narrow way. He lives, he lives, salvation to impart. You ask me how I know he lives. He lives within my heart. For our first selection, let us know it's page 154. That is page 154. Give me the Bible. All found? Let us sing. Give me the Bible, star of gladness gleaming, to cheer the wanderer, lone and tempest tossed. No storms can hide that radiance peaceful beaming Since Jesus came to seek and save the lost Give me the Bible, holy message shining Thy light shall guide me in the narrow way Precept and promise, law and love combining Till night shall vanish in eternal day Give me the Bible when my heart is broken When sin and grief have filled my soul with fear Give me the precious words by Jesus spoken Hold a face lamp to show my Savior near. Give me the Bible, holy message shining. Thy light shall guide me in the narrow way. Precept and promise, law and love combining. Till night shall vanish in eternal day. 
Give me the Bible, lamp of life immortal. Hold up that splendor by the open grave. Show me the light from heaven's shining portals. Show me the glory gilding Jordan's wave. Give me the Bible, holy message shining. Thy light shall guide me in the narrow way. Precept and promise, law and love combining. Till night shall vanish in eternal day. We will not be led by scripture in prayer. Good morning. morning. Scripture reading will be coming from Exodus chapter 3, verses 13 and 14. Exodus chapter 3, verses 13 and 14. I'll be reading from the King James Version. And it reads, And Moses said unto God, Behold, when I come unto the children of Israel, and shall say unto them, The Lord of your fathers hath sent me unto you, and they shall say to me, What is his name? What shall I say unto them? And God said unto Moses, I am that I am. And he said, Thus shalt thou say unto them, unto the children of Israel, I am, hath sent me unto you. Let us pray. Our Father, which are in heaven, we humbly come before you, fathers, just saying thank you. Thank you for this day. We thank you for food, clothing, and shelter. Father, we thank you for just uh, being the God that you are and, and uh, just being merciful unto us, Father. At this time, Father, thank you for allowing us to be able, be able to come here safely, Father, for this worship service. Father, we uh, thank you for the uh, singing thus far. Father, uh, we're also thankful to have a way uh, to have this service recorded for those who are at home too as well. Father, at this time, we pray that you will just uh, prepare our minds uh, for the lesson, Father. We also want to pray for Brother Corey as he comes before us, Father, that he will also uh, remember what he has studied. And, Father, we pray that as listeners that we will uh, take notes, Father. We pray that we we will be able to use something from the message, Father, uh, that we may be able to share it with someone along the week and also to apply to our lives as well. Father, just uh, please watch over us and just keep us safe. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Our song of invitation will be page 556. That is 556 if you'd like to mark that. As far as song before the message this morning, we'll be noticing page 829. That is page 829. Mansion over the hilltop. All found? Let us sing. I'm satisfied with just a cottage below, a little silver and a little gold. But in that city where the ransom will shine, I want a gold one, that silver line. I've got a mansion just over the hilltop in that bright land where 
will never grow old. And someday yonder, we'll never more wander, but walk the streets that are purest gold. Though often tempted, tormented and tested, and like the prophet, my pillow was stone, and though I find here no permanent dwelling, I know he'll give me a mansion my own. I've got a mansion just over the hilltop in that bright land where we'll never grow old, and someday yonder we'll never more wander. But walk the streets that are pure as gold. Don't think me poor or deserted or lonely. I'm not discouraged. I'm heaven bound. I'm just a pilgrim in search of a city. I want a mansion, a robe and a crown. I've got a mansion just over the hilltop in that bright land where we'll never grow old and someday yonder we'll never more wander but walk the streets that are purest gold I've got a mansion just over the hilltop in that bright land situated I got way too much stuff I learned not too long ago that I could preach from my laptop but always have a backup I was at school one day preaching at <laughs> in chapel preaching from my laptop and um, I clicked something in the middle of my point cleared everything and I didn't have a backup and so I just had to kind of go off my memory. My girlfriend's not here just yet, but I also tell the story of, I believe I was 18, I just started, uh, I guess, having a desire to preach. And um, I was at a, a youth brothership picnic. And it just so happened, uh, Brother Eli used to always tell me, I always keep a lesson in your back pocket. And I kept saying okay, but I wasn't adhering to the lesson. Finally, Brother Lawrence came over to me and he said, listen, our speaker of the hour is not going to make it. I started looking at him, what they got to do with me? <laughs> and as he continued to talk, it began to dawn on me, oh, that's where this conversation is going. And I didn't have a lesson in, back in my hip pocket, and um, I started thinking about all types of things that I could talk about. And um, as my mind was trying to get something together, I remember, like I said, she's not here yet, but I tell this story all the time, Taylor, you might remember this day. I just started yelling. I said, well, Maybe I get their attention some kind of way. And I just kept yelling, kept yelling, kept yelling. So they, they got their attention, and finally something came together. Uh, but I just thought that was funny. Uh, that was the way that I started. I come, come a long way, though. Um, I'm so thankful for the opportunity to be able to speak to you this morning. I'm going to sit this back here and hope we're not going to have to use it. But again, I'm thankful for the opportunity to be able to speak this morning. I want to thank uh, Brother Micah for having the courage to be able to get up and, and uh, for the first time, um, 
do at least half of this song service. It takes a lot of courage. Taylor, even when we first started, man, we were shaking in our boots downstairs getting ready and Brother Don, but he prepared us and we got ready. And over time, we just kind of caught our groove. And so, Michael, you just keep going. You'll catch your groove. Uh, I want to thank my brother, uh, Taylor, for reading my scripture this morning. And I want to already thank uh, Brother Trent um, for finishing us out in our song service this morning. If I could go back to our lesson text for this morning, Exodus chapter 3, Exodus chapter 3, we'll begin at verse number 1. From the New King James Version of the Bible, it reads, Now Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian. And he led the flock to the back of the desert and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire from the midst of a bush. So he looked, and behold, the bush was burning with fire, but the bush was not consumed. Then Moses said, I will now turn aside and see this great sight, why the bush does not burn. So when the Lord saw that he turned aside to look, God called to him from the midst of the bush and said, Moses, Moses. And he said, here I am. Then he said, do not draw near this place. Take your sandals off your feet, for the place where you were standing is holy ground. Moreover, he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look upon God. And the Lord said, I have surely seen the oppression of my people who are in Egypt and have heard their cry because of their taskmasters, for I know their sorrows. So I have come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up from that land to a good and large land, to a land flowing with milk and honey, to the place of the Canaanites, the Hittites, and the Amorites, and the Perizzites, and the Hivites, and the Jebusites. Now, therefore, behold, the cry of the children of Israel has come to me. And I have also seen the oppression with which the Egyptians oppressed them. Come now, therefore, and I will send you to Pharaoh so that you may bring my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. But Moses said to God, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and that I should bring the children of Israel out of Egypt? So he said, I will certainly be with you. And this shall be a sign to you that I have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you will serve God on this mountain. Then Moses said to God, Indeed, when I come to the children of Israel and say to them, The God of your fathers has sent me to you, and they shall say to me, What is his name? What shall I say to them? This is our key verse. And God said to Moses, I am who I am. And he said, Thus you shall say to the children of Israel, I am has sent you. To further set the scene, in the first two chapters of Exodus, we find that Jacob, or Israel's lineage, has appeared in Egypt. Uh, Joseph has gone through the famous story from the pit to the prison to the palace, in which he has now been placed as the prime minister over Egypt. And he's, he's brought them through the famine, and he's been placed as their ruler. But the time comes in chapter 1 where he dies. And when Joseph and all of his brothers die, it tells us that a new king is ushered in that knows nothing and cares nothing about what Joseph and his brothers have done. 
This new king knows one thing. The one thing that he does know is that the Egyptians are far outnumbered by the Israelites, and he has a problem with that. The reason he has a problem with that is because his fear is if they go into battle that the Egyptians will be outnumbered by not only their enemies, but also that the Israelites will join forces with their enemies and overtake them in a battle. And so his concern now is that we must put them under control. And so he begins this plan where he will put them in oppression. He, he puts them in a place where they're becoming slaves. And he puts all kind of uh, taxes and, and rules and hard labor on them to compress them, but they continue to grow. And so he comes and when he has them building cities as slaves, as I said, they continue to grow. She just walked in now. Now I can go. <laughs> When the first set of rules for the slaves do not work, he places harder slave rules on them, making them make brick and mortar to break them down even more. But they continue to grow. And then he sets on another set of rules in which he wants the Hebrew midwives to kill all of the firstborn sons. But the two midwives fear God, and they don't do it. And when Pharaoh comes to these two, he says, why is it that you haven't killed the sons of the Hebrews? They say the Hebrew women are too strong, they're too energetic, they're too resilient. Before we can get there, they're having babies and we can't stop them. So Pharaoh goes to his own people and says, okay, listen, the midwives didn't get it, the work didn't get it, so now what I want you to do is I want you to take the babies and I want you to throw them into the ocean, into the river. So then it comes that two individuals out of the tribe of Levi fall in love and they get married and they have a baby that would eventually become Moses. And she holds Moses in her bosom for three months until she can't hold him anymore. And then she, she makes a basket and she, we know the story, she puts him into the river, on the river banks. And Pharaoh's daughter conveniently comes along and she sees the basket and she sends one of her maidservants down to get the basket and she finds that it's a Hebrew boy. And she asks one of the maidservants to go and find his mother to take care of him until he's of age. And when he's of age, he comes back to Pharaoh's daughter to be his mother. Now, what is the significance of this? The significance is the Egyptians have placed the Israelites under bondage. But Moses, who is a Hebrew by birth, has the privileges of an Egyptian. Because in this time, it didn't matter where you were born. It mattered where your citizenship was. So what God is doing is he's crafting a leader who still has his feet on the ground with the Hebrews who he will lead out, but also has the privileges of looking out and having the privileges of the Egyptians where he's not in bondage. So he has a dual citizenship in which we find that there are often times that he leaves out of the palace and goes over to the Hebrews to check on his people. Because although he had been taken out of the tribe of Israel, the tribe of Israel not taken out of him. And on one occasion, he goes out to see his brothers, and one of the Egyptians is up against one of the Hebrews, and they're arguing, and he kills the Egyptian. And the next day, when he goes back to his Hebrew brothers and sisters, he finds two of his own Hebrew brothers arguing. And he says, why are you arguing with your brother? And they ask him, are you the same one that killed the Egyptian yesterday? Are you here now to kill us? There's, who are you to come tell us not to argue? And so he flees on to Midian which ironically is the place where all of this started. For those of us that know the story of Joseph, it was the Midianite traders who are the ones that bring them onto Egypt. Um, so now we're full circle. In verse number 13, Moses is going to a group of people 
who have been enslaved for so long that they have forgotten or they have lost touch with the God that is going to deliver them. And they're so wrapped up in what they're in that they've lost touch with God. And so Moses needs to be able to identify the who to the people that he is trying to persuade. We're living in a year 2020 when everything has hit the fan. Jobs have been lost. Families are breaking down. The economy has been shaken up. Families are crumbling. Society is at war with each other. And we're being told to accept what is being labeled as the new normal. But the truth of the matter is that there's nothing normal about this. And so God's people are lost in madness. People have accepted defeat much like the Israelites. We've been in lockdown so long that we've been disconnected with each other. And we're okay with it, with being disconnected with each other and with being disconnected with God. So much of the fact that some people don't even realize it. So now they need a movement, but the movement cannot happen until they know the who that will cause it. So Moses asked, what shall I say to these people that are in need of the movement, but have forgotten the one who will be responsible? In verse number 14, when God hears this question, it leaves him in an awkward place because he is inexplicable by a singular name. He is a God who the human vocabulary runs out of words trying to explain. And so he knows who he is, but he can't properly explain this to Moses who has a mere human mind. So he gives Moses the best answer that he knows how. He says that I am, that I am. This one phrase in the Hebrew is the one phrase that is in present, past, and future tense all at one time. It means I have been what I needed to be. I am currently being what I need to be, and I will be what I need to be based on the situation that you are in in the future. God is timeless, yet he is still effective in time. God is everything while only being one person. God is everywhere without ever leaving heaven. God says, you asked for my name, but results may vary. And so Moses is saying, God, come on, quit playing. What's, what's really your name? God said, well, that depends exactly what do you need. Sometimes God becomes El Shaddai. The almighty God. Almighty means that the Lord has all power in his hands to do anything. We have to realize this before anything else. In chapter 4 of Exodus, Moses is trying to get out of this call on his life, and God performs multiple miracles. He asks him, what's that in your hand? And Moses says, it's a staff. He says, well, cast it down. And Moses casts it down, and it turns into a snake, and Moses hops back. God says, grab it by the tail, and he grabs it by the tail, and it turns back into a staff. He says, now take your hand and stick it in your shirt. He sticks it in his shirt and pulls it out, and it becomes out white as snow. He says, now stick it back in. He sticks it back in, and it comes back out, and it's as healthy as the rest of his body. He says, if that's not enough, I want you to take your staff and go down to the Nile River. I want you to tap it and take some water out and throw it on the ground, and it will become blood. In other words, whatever you need to complete the task, I have the power to do it. Moses gives him an excuse of his speech impediment. God says, I can use that too if you let me. And even in Moses' denial of him letting him use his deficiency, God says, listen, I made your mouth. I'm the one that can make you speak or not speak. I'm in control of that. But even in Moses' denial, he still gave him Aaron as a spokesperson. God doesn't accept excuses because he equips us for the work that he gives us. I believe in Philippians chapter 4 and verse number 13, the scriptures tell us that anything is possible with the strength that Jesus supplies. We can do all things. There's no excuse for not completing a task that he sets before us. Because God has the power to do anything. If you could, get from me Psalms chapter 28, verses 7 through 9. Psalms chapter 28, 
verses 7 through 9. my strength and my shield. My heart trusts in him and I help. Therefore my heart greatly rejoices with any song will I praise him. The Lord is their strength and he is the saving strength of his anointed. When I'm in a battle and my strength runs out, I can keep fighting. Not because he gives me strength, but because he becomes my strength. I don't have anything left in the tank sometimes, but I'm able to run on fumes, again, because he's my strength. He becomes a shield that protects me from all satanic attacks. He's my strength. Any form, any weapon that is formed against me will not prosper because he becomes my strength. He is my strength. See, sometimes we try to run off our strength alone and it just don't work. It just don't work. I watched last night a little <laughs> snippet of poor little Nate Robinson trying to fight. He's a basketball player. You're not a boxer, man. And he tried to run off his strength, and the strength of the real boxer overtook him, and he was knocked out in the second round. In other words, listen, there's some battles I'm not equipped to fight. But God <laughs> becomes my strength. I want to get this across to you. He's got to become our strength. Sometimes we get upset. We want to curse God. We want to argue. We want to think something's wrong with me. No, 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 no. Your strength has just run out. You've used all the strength that you've got. And you may be strong, but there comes a time where he's got to go beyond your glass ceiling of strength. And it's not to show how weak you are. It's to show how strong he is. He becomes your strength. Get for me Isaiah 40 and 29. Isaiah chapter 40 and verse number 29. He, he giveth power... To the faint, mm. and to them that has no might, he increases strength. He gives power to the weak. He increases the strength of those that don't have might. He takes care of the ones who are vulnerable. See, Satan is like a, a roaring, seeking back and forth whom he may devour. Easy praise for those that are weak, but he says, I still give strength for them. He doesn't let anything prosper against us. Sometimes we got to get out of his way and let him protect us. I believe the Bible says in our favorite verse of uh, Ephesians chapter 3 and verse number 20 that by his power I can accomplish anything that I request to him. Not only what I ask for him, but sometimes he can go infinity and beyond to blow my mind and, and overflow me with blessings that I never expected that were coming. Otis sometimes says let your imagination run wild. But sometimes we're not creative in our faith. Sometimes he sees all I need is a little bit to make ends meet and he goes beyond that. Sometimes we don't expect the best from him. We just expect just a little bit. Sometimes he wants to stretch us beyond that. He's an almighty God. As the Israelites are escaping uh, the Egyptian bondage, they're, they're going into the wilderness and they get to the Red Sea and he opens up the Red Sea and allows them to come through. And as they go through, he closes it back behind them on the enemies that are coming behind them. Why? Because he becomes their strength. When they can't defend themselves from what's coming on. Remember, they were in bondage. Here's what I... 
God allows them to go into bondage. It tells us at the beginning of chapter number three, the Egyptians outnumbered them. They outstrengthed them, if that's even a word. God allowed them to go into this. In other words, they could have overpowered the people that put them in bondage. But God has to allow them to realize you can't run off your strength alone. Sometimes God becomes Jehovah Jireh, God the provider. A provider is a source who gives you what you need, when you need it, exactly how you need it. If you could get from me Matthew chapter 21 and verse number 22. And all things whatsoever you shall ask in prayer, believing, you shall receive. Jesus here is with his disciples. They're on their way back home. And, and what happens is if you go back up to, I think, verse number 17, Jesus comes up against the fig tree. And the fig tree has nothing on it. And he says to the fig tree, because you have nothing on it, listen, you'll, you'll never grow fruit again. And the apostles are looking at Jesus saying, what kind of man is this that he can speak to a tree and tell him you won't make any figs again? And it dies. Jesus says, hey, wait a minute. <laughs> You don't realize what kind of strength you got. He says, you have the ability to do this too. In fact, you have the ability to speak to this mountain and tell it to move and move into the ocean, and it will happen. Verse number 22 says, whatever you ask in faith. The things we ask for in prayer will be received if we have faith in God that he is a provider. It's amazing how many of us haven't encountered God as a provider because we lack faith. We're not convinced that God is able to do what we desire and what we ask, so we don't really expect him to come through. But that changes today. He's a provider of whatever you're needing right now. So here's what I want you to do. I want you to just stop and think. Because sometimes, because we don't pray in faith, we think something's wrong with prayer. Because what I'm getting is not happening, Something's obviously wrong with prayer, right? Mm -mm. Sometimes it's the way we do things. And so he says, pray in faith. And so what I want you to do right now, I want you to just stop and think. Close your eyes. And I want you to think about something that you've been praying for that you need right now. And I want you to ask God for it in faith. And I want you to conclude that prayer with thank you, Father, for supplying the need that I asked you for. Sometimes we ask for things and we don't expect them, so we don't get them. Let me make it simple. When we were kids and we asked our parents for things, it's because we knew we could get them. It's not arrogance, it's common sense. Sometimes we come to our parents or we come to people, especially God, and we sing, Lord, if you could just, mm, see, you already messed up. God says, if? Okay, I don't want to talk to you no more. <laughs> you didn't make me mad. Y'all got time? Yeah. Time's not winning no way. 
When the last time we beat the Colts? Come on, let's be real. Some of y'all been praying for us to beat the Colts. <laughs> it ain't happened. Let me move on, because I know y'all got stuff to do. Y'all got stuff to do. Can you get me Matthew chapter 7 and verse number 7? Ask, and it shall be given you. Seek, and ye shall find. Knock, and it shall be opened unto you. For everyone that asks is receiveth, and he that seeketh findeth. And to him that knocketh, it shall be opened. Or what man is there you, whom if his son asks bread, will he give him a stone? Or if he asks the fish, will he give him a serpent? If ye then, being evil, know how to give good, good gifts unto your children, how much more shall your Father, which is in heaven, give good things to them that ask him? Okay. He says, look, you parents who are sinful, you know how to supply basic needs for your children, right? So just think how much deeper my supply as your father is. God created us. He knows his product very well. You know, you're going through some situations and some things right now, and, and, and we come crying to God, and we come on our knees all upset. God said, listen, pull yourself together. I didn't fix that a long time ago. You behind. Pull yourself together. I'm working on things 10, 20 years in advance, and I've already got control. We behind on God sometimes. And you know another thing? Can I tell you this? We talked about this very briefly in, in, in the uh, youth Bible study. I don't know how young we are anymore, but if I can give you some homework, those of you that have read the Bible from cover to cover, or at least for a good portion, I want you to go back, and before you go through it, I want you to study the concept of a kingdom. Because if you don't understand kingdom, none of this makes sense. You can make up all kind of religious ideas if you don't understand the kingdom. In a kingdom, a kingdom does not have poor members. What you find out is a kingdom is that in a kingdom, there are citizens. There are rights we have as American citizens. We do not go to the government crying and pleading for rights that we have been given. We demand them. Some of y'all uncomfortable because you ain't never been that powerful. When you realize you are a citizen of the kingdom of God, coming to him crying, listen, when you go in a courthouse, you begin to cry, they shut everything down. You're too emotional. In a kingdom, you don't get things off of emotion. You get things off demanding the rights that the king has given you. It's not arrogant. It's common sense. I'm trying to help you. I'm not trying to shatter your idea of who we are. I'm trying to help you fix it. That's why in Matthew chapter 6, God says, don't worry about everyday life. What you will eat and what you will drink, what you will wear. He says, be like the lilies and the birds. Their idea, listen, everybody got this but humans. It's amazing. Humans are the most wise of all the creatures, but we're the only ones that miss this. Birds, they don't plant. They don't store.
But when it's time to eat, they eat. Their mindset is, I don't know how he does it, but every time I go pecking for a worm, I get one. Every time it rains as a lily, I grow. As humans, we've missed the fact, once you are planted in the kingdom, verse 33, you seek the kingdom first and everything else gets added to you. As kingdom citizens, we've been seeking to get the stuff added to us and then seek the kingdom. When you seek first the kingdom, it gets added. In other words, you don't have to go do the other stuff. Okay, y'all looking at me like I'm crazy. Our mentality should be, I don't question the how because I know who. How sometimes is not any of our business. That's Les Brown. We get, so, we get so busy figuring out, okay, how am I going to get from here to there? And we spend so much time trying to figure out how, and we never move. But our mindset should be that God is going to take care of me. Can I show you one more thing before we move on? I'm spending too much time on this. We spoke about this a little bit at Heart Street. When you find this out, you become positively dangerous in life. When a customer, when a, a corporation makes a product, they put their name on it. When they send you that product, they send you a guarantee card that we throw away. What the guarantee card does is it ensures that my product is going to work exactly how I said it's going to work. And if it doesn't, you fill out that card and you send it back to me. Why? Not because we really care that much about you, but we be, because we care about our reputation. But God, on the other hand, is the same way, but he differs in this fact. He puts our name on him. Here's what we got to realize. When we don't succeed in what God instructed us to do, it embarrasses us a little bit, but it embarrasses God a lot. That's why he says, come boldly to my throne, because my name is on you. When you look defective, that makes me look bad as a God. When you figure that out, you become positively dangerous, because then you can move through life with confidence that God's name is on me, and if he instructed me to do this, he's going to see me carry this out. Nothing is impossible for him. Sometimes he just wants our, our faith to be like little kids. Kids believe anything is possible. But we get trained over time in America that nothing is possible. A month after they left Egypt, they began complaining to Moses and Aaron about, about food and water. And there was a time where God said, listen, in the morning, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to make manna fall from heaven. And in the evening, I'm going to make quail come down. You're going to have just enough to eat in the morning and in the night. And even on the sixth day, I'm going to give you twice as much to carry you through the Sabbath. There was another occasion where they were looking at Moses and Aaron and said, listen, I know we were slaves in Egypt, but at least we had something to drink. God says, gosh, here they go again. Listen, take your staff, go out, hit the rock, and water will come out. Why? Why is he doing this? Because God is a provider. He wants to give them exactly what they need. And he's going to do it. He does the same thing for us. 
We're in situations right now, and he just wants us to know whatever we need, he's going to give it to us because he's a provider. Sometimes he becomes Jehovah Ra, the shepherd. A shepherd is one who oversees the flock. He surveys them and identifies their needs. He leads them and guides them. He protects them from threats and keeps them in line. Can you get me Psalms 23 and verse number 1? Listen, we know this one. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. Listen, okay. The Lord is the kind of shepherd where everything that I need will be supplied. Things that I want will be supplied. He's not the kind of God that leaves me hungry, wanting for more that he cannot provide. This is the NLT. I got it printed on the front of my, but I'm going to read it. Listen to this here. The Lord is my shepherd. I have all that I need. He lets me rest in green meadows. He leads me beside peaceful streams. He renews my strength. He guides me along right paths, bringing honor to his name. Even when I walk through the darkest valley. Okay, watch this now. Verses number one through three shows that he's the kind of shepherd that leads me beside still waters. He leads me beside green pastures. Sun is shining. Water is flowing nice. The grass is tasty. Everything is going good. But in verse number four, he says, even when I walk through the darkest valley, I will not be afraid. For you are close to me. Your rod and your staff protect me and comfort me. In other words, listen, when everything was good, you were the kind of shepherd, the perfect kind of shepherd that I need. But now that I'm in the darkest valley, when there's no light, when there's no streams, when there's no green grass, when I can't see where I'm going, when I can't detect the threat, I'm still not afraid because you're the same shepherd that you were when everything was going good. He says, I'm not going to fear because I know you're not going to run and leave me. It's the same shepherd in green pastures that you are in valley. He says, your rod and your staff protect and comfort me. Even in the dark, you can use your rod to fend off threats. Even in the dark, you can use your hook to bring me back close to you and let you know that you're still near. You honor me. Verse number five, you prepare a feast for me in the presence of my enemies. You honor me by anointing my head with oil. My cup overflows. Brother Pastor, not here, but he showed me this. Can I I, I use this? Don't tell him I told him. I'm going to borrow something he showed me. You prepare a feast for me in the presence of my enemies. David is a man of battle. He showed me this and it it changed my whole life. In the middle of a battle, when there are arrows flying over my head, fire is breaking out, there's yelling, there's screaming, there's all kind of threats, all kind of chaos going crazy. God is setting up a picnic in the middle of a battle. He's setting up the table, and he's putting out the cloth, and he's putting down tables. He's putting down plates. He's putting down cups. He's putting down the kindest food in the middle of a battle. You honor me by anointing my head with oil. My cup overflows with blessings. He sets a cup on the table. And while your enemies are wondering, why is he eating? God fills up his pitcher with blessings and begins to pour while staring at your enemies. Mm-hmm. So much of just saying, God, that's enough, that's enough, that's enough. He said, no, 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 I'm embarrassing them. I'm embarrassing them. He's overflowing my cup 
Surely goodness and mercy, unfailing love will pursue me all the days of my life, and I will live in the house of the Lord forever. That's the kind of shepherd that we serve. Look at Matthew uh, chapter 18. I gotta, we got to get out of here. Matthew chapter 18. Spent way too much time. Matthew 18, verses 12 through, tw- through tw- 14. Excuse me. I thank ye. If a man have a hundred sheep, and one of them be gone astray, does he not leave the ninety and nine and go into the mountains and seeketh that which is gone astray? And if so be that he find it, verily I say unto you, he rejoiceth much more of that sheep than of the ninety and nine which went not astray. Even so, it is not the will of your Father which is in heaven that one of these little ones should perish. Moreover, if thy brother shall trespass against thee, go and tell him his fault between thee and him alone. If he shall hear thee, thou hast gained thy brother. But if he will not hear thee. That's good, that's good, that's good. I think I gave you too many verses. God is the kind of shepherd who values each one of his sheep and will do whatever he needs to keep us close to him. Notice we as sheep, we wander away, but he doesn't settle for the loss. He comes and finds us. He comes and gets us. He doesn't want us out of his sight because he loves us. That's why he does the things that he does for us, because he doesn't want us out of his sight. He wants us right there with him. It doesn't matter how big, how small, how long you've been in the church, what you've been into, how dirty your fur gets when you get away from him. He still loves you, and he still wants you. No matter what happens, Romans chapter 8, verses 38 and 39 tells us there is nothing, nothing that can separate us from the love of God. That word is agape. It's unconditional. We ask God, why do you love me? Listen, he can't answer that. Agape is unconditional. If I can give you a reason why I love you, it no longer is unconditional. Nothing can separate us from his love. Sometimes he becomes Jehovah Shalom, the God of peace. Remember, peace is a mindset, an environment of the spirit. It's a stillness. It's a calm even in the midst of a storm. It's when he makes a hectic situation feel like quiet mouse. It's when he becomes ice when life gets hot. Romans chapter 4 and verse number 7, the peace of God rises above our ability to comprehend a situation. His peace sees us on the brink of confusion and loss of faith, and he pulls us back in and he carries us through situations that we don't understand. His peace agrees with us when we say, listen, this isn't fair. I don't deserve this. He protects us, even from ourselves sometimes. We think destructive thoughts. God has to protect us from ourselves sometimes. When a situation seems like I can't get through, God says, it's all right, keep going. When the doctor says, listen, your health's not getting any better, God says, keep fighting. Finance is getting low, God says, keep going. It's a peace that he becomes for us because he's Jehovah Shalom. Watch this. I'm trying to speed through this. I'm sorry. Sometimes God becomes Jehovah Sabaoth, the God of hosts. 
He's the commander in chief of the strongest army known to man. A host is an army. The Lord is in control of these armies. He tells them when to fight, when to halt. He tells them where to go and fight and where not to go and fight. He tells them when to go and settle peace and when to start battle. Can I let you in on a secret? Gosh. The host is not the church. Okay, y'all look at me like I'm funny. Turn to Luke chapter 2 and verse number 13. I'll show you this and then we'll go home. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God and saying. Okay. Now, this is the time when Jesus is, is being ushered into the world. He's being, this is the virgin birth. And, and read verse number 13 again slowly. And suddenly mm -hmm. there was with the angels. With the angels. A multitude of a the heavenly hosts. Multitude of the heavenly hosts. We keep going down to 15. Praising God and mm -hmm. saying, mm -hmm. glory to God in the highest. And on earth peace, goodwill towards man. And it came to pass. As the angels were gone away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let us now go even up to, unto Bethlehem and see these things which has come to pass, which the Lord has made known unto us. Okay. The host, the army of God, is the angels. So when we go talking about being on battlefields and attacking people and fighting with people over our faith, we're out of place. We're not the host. That's not our fight. Let's go to Romans chapter 12. I promise we're going home. Look at Romans chapter 12. Verse number 17. Repay no one evil for evil. Have regard for good things in the sight of all men. If it is possible, as much as depends on you, live peaceably with all men. Beloved, do not avenge yourselves, but rather give place to wrath. For it is written, vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. Therefore, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him a drink. For in doing so, you will heap coals of fire on his head. That's why God says, give place to wrath to me. I have an army that's designated for that. Vengeance is mine, says the Lord, not yours, Corey. God is the general of the army, not me. The Bible says in Exodus chapter 15 and verse number 3 that the Lord is a man of war. The Lord is his name. Deuteronomy chapter 10 and verse number 17, he is the Lord of the controller, the owner of the host. He directs them where to go. When we get mad, we're ready to knock everybody off. Mm. Y'all like, no, I don't, I don't need your army. You be messed everything up. We don't operate like that in this military. We have a standard. We're ready to go to war over petty stuff. We don't operate like that. I know some of y'all mad. I was mad too because I, I, you all know me. I'm a... I'm a no-nonsense kind of guy. But God has this thing all figured out. Psalms chapter 110, verse number 1, it, it, it's a psalm coming from the place of the Son of God. He says, listen, you sit next to me on my right hand, and you let me make your enemies my footstool. Mm -hmm. Sit back and let God work. 
got to stop arguing on Facebook over petty stuff. Mm. We got to stop trying to go at everybody at the family functions when they try us. Jeremiah chapter 33 and verse number 22 tells us that the army of God cannot be numbered, not counted, but cannot be numbered. In other words, whenever they go into a battle, they have just enough to control the battle that's in front of you. No matter how deep your enemies think they are, I promise you, God and them deeper, and they play no games. I'm trying to get the. You remember when Elisha <laughs> was with his servant when they were down in Dothan, and 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 and, and there was a, there was an issue, and so so the army comes and they surround him, and Elisha's servant comes out to him. And he says, "Wait a minute, master. Listen, they've got us surrounded. What are we going to do?" He says, "Oh." God opened his eyes. Listen, look up. Look, it's more of us than there is with them. Some of, some of us are in circumstances right now, and God just wants you to look beyond the circumstances, up to the hills where comes your help. And, and see, listen, I've got everything under control. You're never surrounded. Finally, most important as we come to a close. I know I didn't skip all over your verses. Most importantly, he became Yeshua, our deliverer. John chapter 1 and verse number 1 through 14, uh, 29 through 34, if you go back and read, I won't go through all of it. But in other words, in the beginning was the word, and the word was God. He was with God. He was there in the beginning. Everything was created by him. Nothing was made without him. In verse number 14, the, the word becomes flesh, and he dwells among us. In verses 29 through 34, John looks at him and he, he says, the Lamb of God. We don't have enough time. I have to come back another time. The Lamb of God. Ah, oh, I wish we could stop there. The Lamb of God. Oh, man. In Joel chapter 2 and verse number 28 through 32, it talks about how there will come a time where God will pour his spirit back on the man that lost it. We will receive salvation down in verse number 32. When he came down on earth, he suffered some cruel Roman torture. That's what it was. He suffered. He bled, he died, but he rose up on the third day to restore to us the spirit that we lost. That's why in John chapter 20, at the end of the chapter, when, when Jesus comes back to them and he comes through the door and he's, he breathes on them. He says, receive the spirit again because that's what they lost. God became sin that we might become righteous in him. That's 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse number 21. When we needed a God, he sent his spirit to dwell with us. That's John chapter 14 and verse number 26. Whenever we needed something, he became. He's what you need him to be right now, whether you acknowledged it, whether you want to thank him or not. And he's going to be whatever we need in the future if we just hang on. You know, the scriptures are filled with many types and any types. In Exodus chapter 3, our lesson for the day, Moses comes to God and he asks him, God, who are you? The antitype in Matthew chapter 16, Jesus is with the disciples, and he said, who do you say that I am? They gave him a bunch of answers that other people say, 
But Peter answered correctly, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. By that confession, Jesus Christ said, I'm going to use that as the foundation of building my church, my ecclesia, my government on earth. He offers us salvation, but what kind of God, as smart and as wise as he is, wouldn't give us a plan to get that? He set up a plan. He gave us 66 plus books. 66 made the canon. In order to find out about him. But then he wants us to believe what we've heard. He wants us to believe, most importantly, for the, the emphasis of salvation, he wants us to believe that he's the son of God, that he is Yeshua. He is the deliverer. He is the savior. Because if we don't believe that he's the savior, nothing else can go forward. Once we have that belief that he is the savior, we're not confessing. He's the son of God. He's got the power to do that. But confess also means to agree that he's right and whatever I have on my mind, if it's not his thought, is wrong. When we confess that, there has to be a repentance, a changing of, of heart. It's not just coming down here and writing on a card. It's a change of mindset. Jesus preached this message in Matthew chapter 14 and verse number 17. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. It's here. You have to change your thinking if you're going to allow the king to dominate your mind. Because if I don't change my mind, I can't receive the king's dominion. And then he wants us to be baptized. It's, it's, it's not just where we go and get wet. It's the answer of a pure conscience. It's obedience. It's where I come in contact with the spirit, where I come in contact with that cleansing agent that wipes away my sins, because if I don't wipe away my sins, the spirit can't dwell in a dirty temple. That's why he had to leave Adam. That's why he couldn't come. The spirit would come and rest upon them, but he would never enter in. He said, that's just too dirty. I don't dwell in the place of sin. So we've got to be baptized for the remission of our sins, the removal of those sins. And then I'm added to his church at that moment. And I think that gets confused sometimes. When I come out of the water, when I break the water, just like in a physical birth, I'm born into the Spirit of God. I don't have to go look for the church. I just became it. Now, now whatever you decide to do uh, and, and use your ministry, wherever you decide to go, that's up to you after that. But you don't go looking for the church. You just became it. We are the church. And his idea was that I will rule the earth through one body of people. Let there be no divisions among you. I need all y'all in one place. That's the lesson that we need to teach. If you've already gone through with that and you just need prayer, I know I've gone over time, but you just need prayer. I don't know, you, 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 you had a bad week. You've been thinking some thoughts, saying some things, doing some things, feeling some things that aren't in accordance with his word. That's okay. Because he, when we confess our sins, he's, just, he's faithful and just to forgive us. He wipes them clean. The problem is, sometimes we don't forgive ourselves. 
Sister McLean, she always gets on to me about that. You gotta be nice to yourself. Sometimes God forgets stuff and we walk around with it. He didn't forgot about it. Like, what do you keep bringing that up for? I don't even know what you're talking about. Only person to remember that is you. Whatever place you find yourself in, now's the time to come and get it right with him. As together we stand and sing. Is a shelter in which we can hide, and His grace so free is sufficient for me, and deep is His fountain, as wide as the sea. There's room at the cross for you. There's room at the cross for you. Though millions have come, there's still room for one. Yes, there's room at the cross for you. Take one more verse of the song. But as we begin to sit this second verse of the song, if you find yourself in a position where maybe you're just not sure, heaven is too grand of a place to miss. Yeah. Off doubts. It's too great of a place. And hell is too scary of a place to spend eternity. Eternity uh, doesn't end. Yeah. Make your calling and election sure. Don't take a seat. Listen, block out. You got to close your eyes and have somebody guide you down here. If we got to come to you, listen, don't go home unsure about where you'll spend eternity. It's okay. We mess up. We mess up. This is a judgment free zone. If you need to get it right, you do that right now if you can comfortably say heaven is my home listen to god be the glory Amen. one more verse of the song though millions have found him a friend and have turned from the sins they have sinned the savior still waits to open the gates and welcome a sinner before it's too late. There's room at the cross for you. There's room at the cross for you. Though millions have come, there's still room for one. Yes, there's room at the cross for you. The hand of my Savior is strong, and the love of my Savior is long. Through sunshine or rain, through loss or in gain, the blood flows from Calvary to cleanse every stain. There's room at the cross for you. There's room at the cross for you.
have come, there's still room for one. Yes, there's room at the cross for you. Once again, let the church say amen. amen. Wonderful, wonderful sermon that we've had today. We need to be reminded that God is still in control. <laughs> All we need to know is that I am exists. That, that's all we need to know. <laughs> and he's got the rest. Cora said that we don't need to know how, just as long as we know the who. <laughs> Brother Moore's one of his favorite verses is Deuteronomy 29, 29. Secret things belong to God. <laughs> you ain't got to worry about the how, <laughs> just know the who. Brother Corey, thank you, brother. That was, that was beautiful, <laughs> wonderful sermon. We have those that have come to make their wishes known. Sister Jerice Bonds is coming and she is asking for the prayers of the church, for strength and for prayers on her behalf and also for Brian as well. And Sister Candace McLean is coming uh, asking for prayers of strength as well uh, for her and for her family as well. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, once again, we are so thankful, Heavenly Father, that you've allowed us to be able to get up and come out that we may worship thee in spirit and in truth. Father, we ask that you would please continue to guide us and bless us, forgive us of our sins, Heavenly Father. We ask, Heavenly Father, that you would please help us to to continue to be mindful of what you have done through thy son and letting him die for us that we may have a right to the tree of life. We thank you, Heavenly Father, for all the blessings that you continue to shower upon us. And we thank you, Heavenly Father, for just being our God and letting us be your children. Heavenly Father, we come mindful of those that have come to make their wishes known. We ask that you would please bless them and strengthen them. Give them the strength that you see that they stand in need of, Heavenly Father. For those that are asking for guidance, Heavenly Father, we ask that you would continue to bless them and guide them, Heavenly Father, in the way that you see they, they need to go. We ask, Heavenly Father, that you would please bless those that are still dealing with bereavement, those, Heavenly Father, that are dealing with sicknesses, those that will be having procedures and they have had procedures. We ask that you would continue to bless them all, Heavenly Father. Bless those that are sick and those that tend to their care. Continue to guide us and be with us all, Heavenly Father. Bless those that are behind prison walls and, and mental institutions, Heavenly Father. We just ask that you would please grant them the things in which you see they stand in need of. For those, Heavenly Father, that are under the sound of my voice right now that are having troubles with whatever it is they're dealing with, we ask that you would please bless them, Heavenly Father. We know that you are able. We don't know how, Heavenly Father, and don't need to. We just are thankful that you can. And we ask that you would continue to bless us all, continue to guide us and be with us. In the name of Christ, amen. to wonder why it should be thus.
all the day long while there are others living about us never molested though in the wrong father along Father alone will understand why. Cheer up, my brother, live in the sunshine. We'll understand it all by and when we see jesus coming in glory when he comes from his home in the sky then we shall meet him in that bright man will understand it all by and by. Father along with know all about it. Father along with understand Cheer up, my brother, live in the sunshine. We'll understand it all by and by. We want to thank Brother Core for the encouraging message. Now at this moment, as we focus on the communion and also the death, the burial, resurrection of our Lord, Savior Jesus Christ, and the collection. Let's notice page 511. 511. And we'll sing all three verses. Let's see. Off we come together, off we sing and pray. Here we bring our offering on this holy day. Help us, Lord, thy love to see. May we all in truth and spirit worship Thee. May we keep in memory all that Thou hast said. May we truly worship. 
Let him give us thanks for the offering. Our Father, which art in heaven, we thank you for this, a beautiful day, Heavenly Father, and we thank you, Heavenly Father, for allowing us to come all through the week and allowing us to make it here to the building safely to worship in spirit and truth. And also, Heavenly Father, give a portion back which is already yours. We pray, Heavenly Father, as we remember to give, that we give, realizing, Heavenly Father, that all that we have belongs to you. We pray in the Father that we give in the way we please accept to thee, that all praise and honor go to thee. In Jesus' name we pray this prayer. Amen. Amen. Now we've come down to this part of the service where we remember our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, on him dying on the cross with the sins of mankind, that through his death and suffering we all may have that right to the tree of life and have privilege to serve him with their true and living God. The book is Matthew, the chapter is 26, and the verse is 26. And as they were eating, Jesus took bread. He blessed it. He broke it. He gave it to his disciples and said, Take, eat. This is my body. And he took the cup, and he gave thanks. And he gave it to them, saying, Drink ye all this, for this is my blood of the New Testament, which was shed for many for remission of sins. Let us bow in prayer. Our Father, which art in heaven, you're such a good God. You love mankind so much that you sent your only begotten Son to die on the tree of the cross for the sins of mankind. And at this time, Heavenly Father, we want to thank you for your Son's body and his precious blood that was shed on the cross for the sins of mankind. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. May we take up the body and also This concludes this part of the service. As we bring our service to a close, let's notice page 660. There is a habitation. We will sing the first two verses. All found? Let us stand and sing. There is a habitation built by the living God for all of every nation who seek that grand abode. Hosiah, oh, Zion, I long thy 
gaze to see. Oh, Zion, Zion, where I dwell in thee. A city with foundations, firm as eternal throne, nor wars nor desolations shall ever move a stone. Oh, Zion, Zion, I long thy gaze to see. Oh, Zion, Zion, where shall I dwell in thee? Let us pray. Most wise and awesome God, we'd like to thank you for this day, a day which you made, and a day which you're glad and rejoicing in. Heavenly Father, we'd like to thank you for the message that our dear brother had gave Heavenly Father, made that he continued to proclaim your word in a fashion and that is well pleasing to you. And also be with us the hearers. Let us not only just be hearers, Heavenly Father, but do your doers of your most holy divine word. Now, for the grace of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit rests, rule in the Bible for us forever and always. In Jesus' name we do pray. Amen. Amen. Amen.